Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I'm sex educator and sexual communication coach, Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Today, we'll meet Melissa, a 40-year-old cisgender female who describes herself as Latina, heterosexual, monogamous, married with three boys. She grew up in the United States and currently lives with her family in Australia. When I put the call out for more women of color to feature on the podcast, Melissa responded, and I'm excited to share her story. As you may have already noticed, this episode is a bit longer than usual. That's because Melissa's story is so important, and she tells it so well that I couldn't bear to cut more out of it. Sometimes when people are preparing to do an interview with me, they'll write out the pieces of their sexual history that they think are most important and send them to me ahead of time. I appreciate the care they put into sharing their stories, But in all honesty, I almost never read these emails. I don't want to know a lot about a person's sexual history before we start talking. That way, I get to discover it along with you, the audience, and hopefully ask the questions that you're also wondering. Things come up that the guest wouldn't have thought to include if we'd been following a scripted narrative. This interview is a perfect example of why this is so important to me. Had Melissa and I talked a lot about her story prior to her interview, she might well have told me that there was childhood sexual trauma in her background and she didn't want to talk about it. And I, in wanting to maintain those boundaries and respect for her, would have twisted myself into knots trying to lead an authentic conversation without ever mentioning it. Instead, that exchange happened while we were recording, and you'll get to hear it in the first couple minutes of the interview, and we were able to allude to the trauma in important and authentic ways while also being mindful and respectful of Melissa's boundaries. As an interviewer, I find that to be tremendously satisfying way to have a conversation because I believe that it allows the listener to be part of the process. So let's get to it. I am so pleased to introduce Melissa. Thank you so much for being with me today. I am really excited. I did, we don't know each other at all. So I am really excited to hear your story and find out how you became who you are today and, and who you are as a sexual being. So welcome. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I mean, I was excited because I saw exactly like my demographics in terms of Facebook. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to help. That's like me. So <laughs> 
Awesome. Thank you. Um, so the first question I ask everyone is what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Well, let's see. So in terms of that, I would say maybe being, I don't know if I was like 16. I know it feels like older, but 16 maybe. And just like having a moment to myself where I was able to feel good about it, right? So huge difference between like sexual pleasure versus sexual experience. So I would say it, oh. yeah, so it was a huge difference um, for me. It actually felt good. And it was something that was part of me, <laughs> you know, exploring. And it was um, very brief because I don't really do much in terms of it. Sometimes I feel like a starfish, to be honest. Um, I may rely a bit too much in terms of my husband. Um, <laughs> and so I would say, yeah, 16. That was that was when, okay. you know, I explored like that one day that I remember right now. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting distinction you make between pleasure and experience. I'm, I'm gathering from that, that you had some experiences before this moment that you recognize as pleasure. Is that correct? That I don't recognize as pleasure. So like trauma and things that are like, just not too comfortable for me to share. Mm -hmm. So you had some, I, I won't ask you to dig too deeply in this, but it sounds like you had some non-consensual traumatic experiences prior to that? Yes. Okay. So what do you remember what happened at 16 that you were able to flip that switch for yourself and sort of take it back? I think it was just I had privacy. I grew up in a very small apartment. And I remember it was like 650 square feet or so because I've had to think about it. And like you never had time alone, really. And so maybe it was that day that I felt like safe. I felt like, okay, I'm here by myself. I could watch something on TV. I could explore. That's mm -hmm. normal. So it was a normal moment is, I guess, mm -hmm. what kind of opens me up to it. And like, I wouldn't get in trouble. So yeah, normal moment, safe, no one's coming around, <laughs> and I can explore. Yeah. So that was really brave of you to take that risk, not just because of the enclosed space that you lived in, but also because you really were going from your and I don't want to make too many assumptions, but your body being used by others to allowing yourself to explore for yourself. Um, do you remember sort of what the thoughts and feelings were that you had going through your body and your mind? I think it was, I think it was kind of like, kind of like, well, I mean, I don't know if I thought to myself, like, this is mine, you know, and I should enjoy it. But it was definitely for sure, like a control kind of idea kind of like wait a minute because you hear like in high school like people like having fun people going on dates doing things they're not supposed to be doing in catholic high school obviously it's almost like in places <laughs> where you have the more restraints and people are saying like no sex is bad don't have it before you get married it gets high schoolers so i guess do it even more frequently and, and right. so there was that allure 
a positive hint to it. Like, why would you do it if it's bad, right? Why would you do it if it's mm-hmm. not a pleasure? So there was like maybe that curiosity. And then obviously TV. People seem to be really into this thing called sex, you know? So it's like, <laughs> there's got to be something to it that clearly has not been part of my life. It just was super like curiosity and having that moment and just feeling like, okay, I need to figure this out. But it wasn't like a frequent moment. It was like one little snippet of time. And then I would guess yeah. it was back to digging my head in the books, really. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you went to a Catholic school. What kind of sex ed were you getting at school? Well, if any, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it was like those old videos, because I was in school in the 90s or so. So it was like those old videos that were like, even older than the 90s. So like, we're watching like yeah. 1980s videos, maybe 70s videos. And it was super like biological. I cannot imagine being in this classroom setting and thinking to myself, you know, oh, they're using the word pleasure when it comes to like sex. It was really biological. It was like the baby conversation. I don't remember being put the fear of God in me, like don't ever do it, you know, or if you kiss someone, you're going to get pregnant or something. Um, I didn't need that, frankly, given like my background. I got that message, don't do it from like, my dad, for example, my dad was just like, I knew I didn't even need to ask. It was kind of like, if you get pregnant, you will be in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like such an easy thing because of like a trauma background to not do. It was easy. It was like, why the heck would I do it? So it was like, okay, can't see the real benefit. And so it was just kind of like layers upon layers. Either don't do it because you're going to like be hated by like everyone around you in terms of if you have a baby um, or mm-hmm. if you do it, well, it's never been like a great thing. So why are you going to start doing it? So lots of cognitive dissonance, to say the least, in terms of my yes. my experience with it. Yeah. So, you know, before we started recording, you were asking me how I got into this. And I, I, I sort of gave you the very Cliff Notes version of it, um, talking about how I also have a trauma background. And that um, while people sort of fall anywhere on the spectrum, there are there's no hard and fast rule. But two of the things that can happen are people go to one of two extremes uh, with a trauma background. Either they go all the way to having tons of sexual experience in order to try to reclaim their bodies for themselves and their own pleasure, or they go to the other extreme and become very sexually repressed and sort of just shut down that whole aspect of their lives. I was one of those who went to repression. And I'm curious, did you go to that same place on the spectrum? Did you go to that end of the spectrum? For sure. Um, I would say in terms of dancing, for example, dancing, I would say is where I would release some of like that sexual energy, right? And so like, whether it's dancing in privacy to myself. And I think even back then, when I was 16, 17, maybe even 14, 15, I remember dancing and like, I felt very sexual, right? And so dancing by myself to myself, 
I can't really say it was very like age appropriate because of context um, mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm going to say that I was like sexualized way too early. And that's the reason yeah. why. But that's like one way. The other way I would say is in terms of um, uh, being repressed, like for me. So the interesting thing is like, yeah, repression, like for sure. <laughs> Repression 101 here because um <laughs> like I said, I had all those layers, like familial layers, like, you know, if you have sex, you will have a baby. Like that was just like the consequences. Like forget about conversation mm. about protection. Like I remember in high in college, I remember my roommate having her first experience and going with her mom to like get like the pill and stuff like that. And I just remember thinking to myself in college, I was like, in my brain, I was like, yeah, that's not a conversation I would have with like anybody (laughs) in my family. But then I thought, wow, that's super like new age. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, huh, that's really happening in the world. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But not my world. Um, Because of the desire, like I suspect my libido was very affected. I just didn't feel like... I needed it. So it wasn't like, oh, let me do it. Um, And I remember taking a shot at, and this wasn't sex. I was thinking about this very differently because of my age. But I remember just, just wanting to have like a boyfriend. Forget about like the sex piece of it. But like, I remember asking a boy in elementary school, I remember being rejected at that point, asking him just saying that he was cute. I'm not talking about even anything further than that. Getting that rejection, it was like, okay, that was like step one for me. So for me, I associated sex as in like, when you have sex, it is with someone else, right? And not me or myself, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was like my shot. So repression I didn't have anything to like let it out. I was again stuck in the books. It was like my escape, yeah. you know. It's like if I get an education, I can escape the situation. Um, yeah. And then in high school, I asked one kid. <laughs> I don't even remember what I asked him, but net net, I was rejected there. So for me, it was like feeling bad in hindsight. Not really. First, I feel hella bold for having asked seriously yeah but I was rejected and so for me that was kind of like okay (laughs) next and then finally Mm -hmm. in college like I gave myself another shot and I remember then that's where I actually ended up meeting my my husband Mm. and so he didn't reject me even though he did reject me but I didn't listen to him because I asked him to dance basically. Um, and I just didn't believe that he didn't know how to dance. So I, I, I physically <laughs> pulled him um, and uh-huh. made him dance with me. And so it worked out in the sense that it kind of eased my way into sexuality because we were both technically, we were virgins. So it was very different, I imagine, than what I've heard happens in these modern days and times um so repression and again with that like in college I was like definitely repressed even when I had a boyfriend because for me it was like well okay I need to finish college 
Like I didn't want to risk being pregnant. So for me, if I had a constant nagging thought other than sex is negative, it was like, if you have sex, like you could screw your future. That was my thought, my thinking. So Mm-hmm. Good for my parents, I guess. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you met your husband in college. Was he the first person who you really dated? Yeah, thank God, finally. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How old were you? <laughs> I was seventeen, I think, or at that time, seventeen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So freshman year of college. My freshman year. Uh huh. And have you ever dated anybody else? Like, did you? Never. So the two of you got together and stayed together. Yep, we did. Wow, my goodness. So what was it like for you when you finally started interacting with another person? It was interesting because, first of all, like it started out with an attraction, like a physical attraction, because, I mean, I saw him like the week before I approached him. And so when I saw him across the room, it was very theatrical, um, you know, at a back to school <laughs> thing, I was like, well, actually, not his back to school, but my first week, I was like, oh, my God, he's so hot. And I was just excited by him, by his physical appearance. And so that was awesome. It, it kind of like made me feel, oh, wow, like, you know, it made me just feel good. Like I felt good, right? About the butterflies and everything. And then when we started dating, again, repression, as I said, it was a thread. Um, it was super simple for me not to go very far for like a really long time because, again, you know, back of my mind, I was like, oh, I don't want to get pregnant and things like that. And the negativity obviously around it. But when we started like doing things, like whether it was oral sex or anything like that, it was familiar as in like not good familiar but then also like oh wait this is okay like I had to constantly tell myself that oh wait this is okay this is okay and so I would probably assume that it would have been way more fun if I didn't have to say that but it you know that was my journey so you had old experiences that sort of came forward that you had to remind yourself were no longer what you were actually experiencing. Is that, do I understand? Yeah, that? even now, even now, it's like, like I have to believe from like an energetic perspective, I feel like I have finite energy. And so part of it right now, it's like, just be like, okay, this is okay. This is okay. <laughs> And then the other part is pleasure. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense to me. I've never heard anybody describe it quite that way. But I, not only does it make sense to me, I can recognize what you're saying for myself. There is a portion of my brain that is always involved in this is okay, you're safe, you're okay. And then whatever's left over is for the pleasure. Which kind of sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It's funny because I would hear people that I would work with. Like, I remember this one girl telling me she was dating this guy and she was telling me, she's like, oh, sex is so fun. And I was like, I want that. Like in my brain, I was like, I want that. We're not totally there, but (laughs) we're like a lot closer. So, Mm -hmm. Have you done any therapy 
around these oh, issues? Yeah, for sure. So for sure. Like I would say in, in college, when I met my husband, it was also like a release. Like I had to like tell someone. And so I told him. Mm. And so once he heard, he's like, you need help. Yeah. Mm. So that was like a year <laughs> of, of help. And then now, again, more help. Mm -hmm. That was really brave of both of you. Brave of you to say yeah. that to him, to tell him the story, and then brave of him to hear it as a young man and to to be able to respond in that way. That was that's a big deal. Oh yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal because <laughs> yeah. it was like years of quiet, years of secrets, mm -hmm. years of lying, years, years, years. And so for me, it was like wow, I have someone I could tell this to. Not what I want to say, but <laughs> like, it just was like, yeah. this guy doesn't know me, doesn't know my family, doesn't know. And it was pretty early too. I don't even know if it was like maybe some months into it or something. I had to share it. I want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know, or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability. And I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one, -on -one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Do you remember the first time that the two of you had intercourse? 
Yeah. So in terms of repression, <laughs> like I said, um, a parent's dream. Uh, so basically, <laughs> seriously, so I would say um, we were together two years, two years. It was like my flag, I would say back in the day was like, oh, I can make a man wait, basically. Right. Like he'll hmm. wait for me. If he's good enough, he'll wait for me. If he loves you enough, he'll wait for you. That was also a message that I got, which just enforces the whole like never have sex, I guess, ever or sort of thing. But I was believing it. And obviously, like the emotions weren't ready to have that experience with this guy. Plus, on top of that, it's the beginning of my therapy journey. So there's a lot going on. The first experience, because it was so monumental in the sense that like it took two years for me to be like, okay with this. And I'm yeah. talking about like intercourse, not oral sex, was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it was like, what a thing to give thanks for, right? Um, <laughs> like, honestly. And so we we still, to this day, almost like commemorate it <laughs> in a way. <laughs> this one was like particularly memorable so here's the thing it wasn't um it wasn't this perfect production obviously you're like in college you've got <laughs> dorms and stuff but I remember it being yeah. in my college dorm and I remember at least for me I don't know if the physical sensation is the same for others but there's a point where like you know your legs might be pretty tightly close together for like two years mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you like make the space and then like I remember just like my my um boyfriend at the time just being like flabbergasted like oh my god mm. <laughs> this could really happen like <laughs> holy cow and I remember yeah. him just kind of being like you and me me and you like it was this like straight up weird situation but like we're good um more for him just because of my background but like it wasn't bad at all it was just again like in terms of the energy that I'm talking about like finite use of my brain capacity that moment I did have to really be like silent to myself and just be like okay this is okay this is okay this is okay and the pleasure piece was not it wasn't really there. It was more technical. Yeah, sure. So you mentioned that you had already been having oral sex before that. Were you having pleasure, like actual pleasure from oral sex? Well, I'm sure I should have been, but no, no. I don't think there's any should. It's just, it is, yeah. you know, we have our bodily experiences. Yeah, like it's from a biological perspective, there were indicators like, you know, orgasms here and there, but I wouldn't say that mentally joy, like, yay, like amazing. It was more like, oh, okay, I did my job, right? Mm. That's how I start. I did my job. Yes. Okay. How do you keep, you know, boyfriend happy? It was totally warped, but given like all my background, it makes sense. It makes total sense. Totally. There, so something that you just named a couple of things that I think are so important that I just want to pause here for a second and kind of put a pin in them. 
which is first that our bodies have autonomic responses, which are just like these automatic things as sort of the word sounds like that automatic things when we are physically stimulated in a certain way, at some point, our body is likely to have an orgasmic response. That does not always mean that the woman is having pleasure. It means that her body is going through the sort of physical responses, the the um, tightening and releasing, the quaking, the sort of arching of the back. All of those are very physical, autonomic responses. But pleasure is not always the same thing. And I think it's so important for people to hear that. Because I, like you, didn't know for the longest time. I was like, okay, so I I guess. uh," And I think it's why I hear so many women say to me, when I say, are you able to orgasm? And they're like, I I guess, kind (laughs) of. Like, it's because we don't understand that there is this sort of distinction that you can have the physical orgasm without having the pleasure um, the other, what is the other thing you just said? Um, the job. Shoot, you said something else that was important. Oh, the job. Yes. Thank you. Um, that so often because of the way that little girls are socialized to, you know, take care of people, to be pretty, to show up and, you know, like make everybody happy a lot of women get into the um, into the habit of performing pleasure, which I think is what I'm hearing you say, like, I'm doing my job, I'm showing up, I am letting my partner have access to my body, I'm going through the physical motions, and okay, I've done what I'm supposed to do. And in that process, like, maybe I moan a little so that he knows that he's doing the right thing, or I writhe (laughs) a little bit, or I, like, I perform pleasure as opposed to experiencing pleasure. It's so common. Um, And so I just want to, yeah, I really wanted to highlight those two things you just said, because I think they're so important for women to hear and know that not only are those things really common, but that there's, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're also not necessarily like, I want us to all be aiming higher, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) that performing pleasure is not the only pleasure that there is. (laughs) And it's so it's, you know, what's really interesting, because I kind of find parallels between what you just said versus the workplace. Right now, people are going through the motions, they're reaching those KPIs, those key performance indicators. However, pleasure, let's say, in the workplace, true joy, true, like, I'm there because I want to be there. And I'm there because I'm going to personally feel amazing because of the work that I do. It's totally lacking, too. And so it's so interesting how you want people to aim higher in your in your life and your um your craft and I want the same too like in terms of my life and my craft yeah. and for me personally so they say you you can't give what you don't have and so it's it's an interesting insight that I just you know got out of this right now <laughs> yeah that's fascinating I, yeah really interesting. And obviously, we're not, you know, identifying you with your full name, but people like it can take away from that, that you are in the corporate world, and you have 
you have a lot of knowledge totally. in that space. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so let's talk about you and your husband, it sounds like have been together for 20 plus years. How has your sexual relationship developed and changed over that time? I mean, it's been, I don't know, if to call it kind of like it's changed in spurts. There's moments where I would say that I feel super connected. I'm calling it connection. That's how he identifies it. And so for me, it's interesting because there's definitely things that I would say I absolutely love about it. And it's going to be like less the physical acts and more like the words that he says. It's like, oh, my God, if I could just put that in like a mason jar, you know, and just like carry around like the the, the um, positivity and the, all of the um, love notes, for lack of a better thought you know, that would be amazing during the sexual act. So I would say that idea of positive reinforcement or something um, has definitely continued over the course of all these years. I'll say I'm like, that is my favorite part of the entire experience. Hearing like authentic love. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that. That keeps me coming. <laughs> that, that, keeps me, that keeps me there. Um, and then I would say in terms of exploration and things like that, well, I guess as I continue to do work on myself, I'm more open. Like I'll open the door and start in like ideas. And it could be simple ideas for someone that hasn't had trauma. But for me, it's kind of not. Yeah. So like, for example, like having music while having sex. It's like, okay, soft and gentle music, like, you know, no curse words and like objectifying women music. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, so he's into this. Maybe I should try it, explore having, you know, certain kind of like music during the act, right? And and not see it as like something bad, you know, not appropriate. That's one. Um, exploring there. And then the other one I would say is in terms of just being open to like who initiates, right? So that's the funny part, I would say. Because of trauma, I actually feel more comfortable initiating. <laughs> like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's that control, right? It's like, well, who's in control yeah. now? And it turns out to be like, a great thing for my husband but then at the same time it's I would love it to come from him <laughs> yeah again with the thought in my mind persistent thought it is safe it is okay he's your husband because you know I have to be reminded of this being that I've been with him for like 20 something years it's it it feels it feels <laughs> logically like awkward but rational given my experiences so in terms of initiating, I do that a lot. Um, but I also feel that because of the, my background that I probably like am standoffish kind of, you know, so like if he'll initiate, I'll be like, oh, I'm tired or, oh, just rub my back or, oh, like I'm busy kind of head in the books thing is now, you know, head in the work thing. <laughs> I've just replaced it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But I will say this, because of therapy, because of even this conversation being like 
a nice catharsis sort of a thing. It's like, damn, I got to give myself credit. I'm opening up in different ways. Yeah. So it's like, I anticipate that opening up in different ways is going to, A, help somebody that's listening to this, but then B, help me, period, right? Help me just be like, okay, it's okay to talk about this. And what if you talk about this and it's not associated with trauma? What if you talk about this and it's associated with pleasure, dare I say, fun, um, excitement. And yeah. so, again, back to that, that co-worker that I had, like when she associated, you know, sex with fun, I was like so jealous. I was like, yes, I want that. I want that. We're not there yet. <laughs> not not a hundred percent, but yeah, <laughs> I feel the 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 energy a little bit of a shift, you know, from oh, this is safe to like not having to think about it every single <laughs> act. Mm-hmm. I get so many messages from listeners saying, thank you for the show. I've listened to the whole back catalog and it's helped me completely transform my sex life. Are you one of those people? If so, I'd love to have your support so I can keep growing this show and bringing a new vision of sexuality to the world. If you haven't done it yet, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. I know the podcast industry does not make reviewing a show easy. So go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash good girls, and it should lead you through the process of posting a review. I'd love to get 100 reviews by the end of the year, and I could use your help. And if you have the financial resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be so grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. And... I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And speaking of Patreon... There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free for everyone to listen to. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So, do you know what your turn-ons are? Like, is this something that is even part of your internal thought process to think about here are the things that I really enjoy that get me juiced up? Or are you primarily working to like stay present and 
and respond to your husband's turn-ons? Um, no, I think I know what my turn-ons are for sure. And, you know, in terms of like certain things that I'll see, like, for example, like pieces of his neck, his shoulder, his back, just by visually just looking, it's like a turn-on for me. Um, or, you know, if I'm thinking about something like, I don't know, like a hot guy or something, <laughs> it's like, it's a turn on. Um, or if I just saw something on TV, like obviously like a rom-com or something, I'll get excited by like the plot, you know, and I'll be like interested. And so that'll be like a turn on. And it's so funny. Sometimes my husband has played with that. He'll literally like find the rom-com and be like, oh, let's watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Smart man. (laughs) And so it just depends time of day because I'm an early riser. So if you watch it, I might fall asleep and then there goes that. But um, (laughs) but yeah, so it's just a matter of like, am I in the headspace basically to allow myself to like be turned on in that moment because sometimes also I think as a mom to like three little people and not having locks by the way (laughs) Mm -hmm. not by choice Mm -hmm. it's a rental (laughs) it just makes it a little bit more um you have to be more strategic in terms of you know wanting to be turned on and then also having the time to execute on that that feeling but I will say this the moments that I have had the intention of turning myself on and then having the sexual experience, those moments, I feel like I do have to say less in my mind. This is okay. It's safe. That's what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. So how old are your little ones now? So the twins are five and the eldest is eight. So what is your sex life like today? Have you come back to, uh, I imagine it's not the same as prior to kids, but what is it like, have you come back to wanting to have sex? I have. Um, and I would say that it's okay because we relocated. And so being in a very different part of the world has made it interesting in the sense that I've always associated being in different parts of the world with exploration and adventure. And so it has like a positive connotation to me. And I don't know if subconsciously that's helpful in the sense of like, you know, in the bedroom. So I would say that now at this point, it's good. I really wish it was like joy, fun. (laughs) But right now, let's just call it, it's good. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It still does have the job connotation that you had, you know, mentioned before. And I thank you for that, because that's a really good thing to know that like, I'm not the only one that thought about it that way. Nope. (laughs) But I wish it I I wish it wasn't because then when I think as a mom slash business owner, and just yesterday, when I was calculating the hours that I spend on the low end, when I think about hours, it's 70 hours of work over the course of five days, which is completely false. I don't hand my kids over to someone on Saturday and Sunday. And I also do work like a sixth day. So that was just five days. And when I added those hours, if I start thinking about sex as work, holy Mm. cow, who the hell wants to have like, you know, even if it's like 45 minutes more or whatever, like who the hell wants to add their work hours? So 
Um, but now I would say because of the therapy that I have put myself in, because of like joining the gym, that's something else that has really helped me. So I joined the gym when we relocated because I turned 40. So that was like my thing. <laughs> and and that helped me because then I was able to get a six pack on my stomach. I still have the twin skin, but at least now that that thought, it's like, holy cow, I can actually have a six pack if I work at it. And then with the therapy, you know, holy cow, I can actually release my anger, my rage, my all of these things associated with trauma. And so all of that together, I would say makes it almost like fertile ground for an even better sex life. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's frequent from by my definitions, like for me, I know it might sound calculated, but you know, once a week for me is like, it's uh-huh. like about right. Um, if I had the word fun associated with it, then I would want it more, you know, maybe like yeah. twice, three times or something. But because I do have the word work associated with it, who the hell would want that more? <laughs> I don't know anyone yeah. that would. What is a question or concern you have about sex? in general, or your sex life in particular? Uh, I think I have more questions than anybody on this planet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it's really just making that shift, turning it from work to fun. And for me to also feel like, you know, how is it that I can start thinking about, um, like, what is sex, right? Like, if he does not ejaculate, does that count? That's my big thing. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm there... And that's my only goal, then that's really not fair to me. So how can I think about it? How can I start the work that I need to to do in order to not see that as like my KPI, for God's sakes, in the bedroom? That's my question to you. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. And actually, one of the questions when we move into the Q&A portion is about how do you define sex for yourself? Because everybody has a slightly different um, definition of what they think sex is. And I would suggest that sex equaling the male partner's ejaculation is really common and radically unfair to everyone involved, because it means that your pleasure is completely taken off the table. Like what happens if you have an orgasm and he doesn't? Is that still sex? Hell yeah, that's still sex. But we tend to measure it in terms of the male ejaculation. Um, And you know, frankly, it goes all the way back to sex ed in schools, for those of us who even got sex ed, because a lot of people didn't. But sex ed was taught basically as, you know, boys grow up and get to have wet dreams and ejaculate and girls grow up and get to have periods and suffer. (laughs) Like, so the male ejaculation has always been front and center in the conversation around sex. And we really desperately need to reorient so that it's about our connection with our partner, as opposed to who gets to have pleasure and who doesn't. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big deal. And I'm really glad that you gave voice to that. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Because then sometimes I'll feel like, oh, you know, did I, did I not do my job? Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Are there times when he'll say to you, this just isn't going to happen tonight? Yeah, of course. <laughs> For sure. And how, and does that, how does that leave you feeling? Well, then in my, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well then we can stop now. Like, I don't, I don't need this. Like we can stop now. Like, okay, so there we go. Let's just yeah. stop. And then it's funny because from his perspective, he's just like, but, but wait, but you didn't get something out of it. I mean, he's super generous when it comes to this, um, this idea, which is exactly what someone like me needs. <laughs> someone that's generous and kind and giving. So yeah, there's, there's definitely moments that he's just like, it's, it's not going to happen. And so like, you know, for me, it's kind of like guilt. Did I not do everything that I was supposed to, whatever it might be like fault, you know, it's like I place the blame on me, you know, was this not the right time? Was I supposed to do it another time? Like before, like he masturbated or did he masturbate? And then like, that's bad in my brain. There's a lot of guck <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this brain um, and all with reason. So it's uh, it's been a hell of a journey. Just that I have this journey is fucking brave of me. But it's like yes. a journey. Thank you for acknowledging that because <laughs> it's huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm all about just, you know. Breaking generational issues. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> yeah. And now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Yes. For sure. Um, again, the thought, like, I'm not going to get pregnant is for me <laughs> um, out the door. So it actually, I feel like I get hornier, like right before I get my period. It's got to be biological because you're more fertile, uh, fertile, so they say. But um, but sex during period, hell yeah. Solve for it. Make sure you don't stain anything. Give yourself more work. But <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? One. <laughs> That's an easy calculation. <laughs> so simple. I don't have a list anywhere. Yeah. One. Um, do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Clit stimulation, I prefer, for sure. What is your favorite way to orgasm during sex? Um, I think it's called doggy style, like just like when he is penetrating, but from the back. Um, mm -hmm. and I would say that, I don't know, like, it doesn't have to be like fast getting the organ, the orgasm, like fast. And I don't want to use the word getting it over with, right? Cause that sounds yeah. so negative, but <laughs> if I'm honest, it's like, holy shit, that was a thought in my brain. Cause then yeah. it also means I could go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of tired um, <laughs> at night, given my early mornings. But yeah, I mean, technically, yeah, I think it's doggy style. Melissa, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. You've been incredibly brave and, and so open. And I really want to thank you for showing up this way. Thank you. I mean, Clearly, I don't have this every day, this conversation, <laughs> let's just say, um, for lots of big reasons. But 
it's definitely a way to like stretch my brain a bit around the topic. And like, of course, like you think, oh, you want to help people that have been in similar situations and stuff. That's the driving force. But then at the same time, it's like for me, an indicator, it's like if I get emotional and I'm not even going into details, it's like, shit, can I be on stage and talk? I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You're doing awesome right where you are. (laughs) Thank you. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>